2: I'm your humble host, Amrish Sandu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid. Subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation, and stay inspired, keep evolving. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, and it is such an incredible treat with us here today. We have Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you?
3: I'm doing good, amrita Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's an honor. Thank you.
2: Oh, it is an absolute gift and a pleasure to have you here. For those tuning into to Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. for the first time, he is a famous Mexican author of Toltec Spirituality and Self Mastery, New Shamanic Texts. It is such a pleasure to have you here. There is so much depth in this space, and I know the audience has such a passion for the type of work that you've put out in the world. Um, your book on self-mastery is honestly, it's an incredible, incredible gift uh, to just dive into and just the way it unpacks things. That limit us and also open us up is a is a true gift. So thank you so much for being here today.
3: Thank you so much for inviting me and giving me the opportunity to share my family's tradition with you and your audience. Thank you.
2: I'd love to dive into a little bit more around that actually. Let's just start there. So, you know, you were born in Mexico but raised in California. Is that have I got it correct? Can you tell us a little bit about your story?
3: I was born in San I was born in San Diego, California. and. huh. I'm one of those, uh, I, I, I lived both in Tijuana and San Diego. Um, I'm one of those rare cases where I lived in San Diego, but I crossed the border into Tijuana, Mexico, to go to school. And I would <laughs> cross the border back to San Diego, California, USA. And basically, that's how I did it for my uh, through uh, my elementary, middle school, and part of high school. And then eventually, for my senior year, I went to Bonilla Vista here in San Diego, California. So yeah I'm I'm a border town boy or a young man or <laughs> elder man whichever state I'm in now
2: yeah there's been a lot of cross pollination in your system and it's interesting because one of the big topics that I think if we were to hit the ground running in this conversation that I was really excited to dive into is you know I read this in the four agreements I read this in self mastery as well and this this rule there's this concept of domestication which I think is a really huge <laughs> uh conversation to wrap your head around but actually quite simple to understand if you just open up your heart and go oh yep this makes a lot of sense and the minute you start dialing into it it's um it can be a little bit overwhelming in terms of (laughs) how much we really are domesticated um let's start there potentially can you describe and define domestication for us in your toltic awareness please
3: Sure. Well, the main problem with the four agreements, my father's book and my book, the mastery of self and most actually most of the book in our family is domestication, which is a system of reward and punishment by which we model the behavior of an individual, where if we live up to an expectation, we're worthy of our reward. Mm. And if we fall short of that expectation, we're worthy of the punishment. And since we are emotional beings who experience the full spectrum of our emotions, that reward, when we live up to an expectation, feels like acceptance, which feels like love. And mm. the punishment for not living up to the expectation feels like rejection and the lack thereof of love, is the way we've learned conditional love. I love you if you live up to this expectation. Some people prefer the concept conditioning. I remember once talking to a gentleman, and he says, We humans don't get domesticated, only animals get domesticated. We humans get conditioned. Mm. Well, the thing is, is that it's the same exact same system. You mm. get a reward for living up to that expectation and you get punished if you don't. So it's basically the way we've learned to accept ourselves using someone's projection of who we're supposed to be in order to be worthy of acceptance, love. And from that point of view, we're living someone else's idea of who we're supposed to be. We're not living our own life. We're not living our own expectations. Or actually, eventually we do to live on our expectations because we begin to self-domesticate. So that part mm. goes, in, goes in. So for us in our, in our tr- tradition, that's what the domestication is, is the way we've learned how to love ourselves conditionally. I love myself if I live up to that expectation. So someone taught us how to do that. And eventually we became the ones who domesticate ourselves.
2: I think it's really interesting because I'm the father of an 18 month old at the moment and um, he's, you know, bright mm-hmm. as day, touch wood. And there are already, I can see myself looking at things and going, hey, that's awesome. Keep doing that. Or, hey, whoa, whoa, stop. <laughs> stop banging metal things mm-hmm. against the walls. You know? yeah. <laughs> And I can see just like, yeah, and exactly. Um, as, exactly and, yeah. As I've been stewing in your work and really dropping in, I'm like, oh, crap, even without, like, I obviously want him to be free, expressive, to do his thing, to be, you know, this vibrant being that he is, touch wood. <laughs> and yet I can already see that, like, oh, I'm already doing that thing, which is encouraging further domestication into his process. Yeah. I don't, like, is it avoidable Is or is domestication to some degree unavoidable, would you say?
3: Well, first, congratulations on your baby, on your baby child. Um, that's Thank awesome you. news. Uh, it reminds me of what happened when my son was born. Uh, I have two mm-hmm. children: my a son and a daughter. My son has autism. Um, mm-hmm. He is seventeen years old. When he was born, you know, I've read what all the books, what to expect when you're expecting, took the classes. I can make a good burrito out of him. You know, the the whole, the whole <laughs> how to Swaddling. take care of a child. I was able yeah. to, to learn how to do that, you know. Like, and he's the <laughs> swaddling, yeah. Actually, I did such a good job that to to, to this very day he still swaddles himself. Like he, when he goes to sleep, he wraps himself pretty good. But anyways, oh, I thought you were
2: going to say I almost father, ate it because it looks like uh, such a good burrito. <laughs> Sorry.
3: I know it's good. It's such a good, like good good source of protein I and mean, many other fibers and minerals. Like, uh, <laughs> but anyway. <continue>. Um, <laughs> There you go. Uh, so basically, it's uh, my father said to me, congratulations. To me and my wife, obviously. Mm-hmm. You made a very beautiful cho- uh, child. Now domesticate him. The author of the four agreements is asking me to domesticate his grandchild, which is a, mm-hmm. a big shock. That's the way my father teaches us. You know, if we will, we wanted to learn how to swim, he'll just throw us into the pool and say, swim. But dad, I can't swim. Miguel, swim. But dad, I can't. Miguel, your head's up water. You're swimming. I'm doggy paddling, but oh, there you go. that's how my dad teaches us. He sets up mm-hmm. a situation and tries to figure it out for ourselves. Sometimes he gives us little teasers like that. So this, this one was a big one. He said, mm-hmm. domesticate your child. And he says, if you don't, someone else will, and you're not going to like it. You're not wow. going to like how someone else domesticates your child.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So, of course, my my first approach was, well, how do I raise a child without domestication? Kind of like you were saying. Mm-hmm. And after 17 years of being... I'm saying this as a father of a 17-year-old mm-hmm. who's about to turn 18 in six months mm-hmm. and the and, and father of a 15-year-old young woman. In that situation, who's domesticating who? You know, um, <laughs> my answer to... How do I raise a child without domestication? The answer is, it's impossible. Mm. The reason why it's impossible is because the world has corrupted the way domestication is. You see, domestication, like I was saying before, it's a system of reward and punishment by which we model the behavior if a, of an individual, where if we live up to expectation, we're worthy of that love. And if we don't, mm-hmm. we're worthy of the punishment.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Life teaches us through action, reaction, in order for an object to move, there needs to be a force that moves that object. I use a little Nahuatl here. In order for the tonal to move, there needs to be a nawal that moves it. Tonal mm. is Nahuatl for matter. My body is matter.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Nawal has three definitions. teach, Spiritual teacher, spiritual guide. But the one that's most important to us is the energy that animates this body. I am not this right. body. I'm not this mind. I'm the force that animates it. I don't take it with me. on Mm. on the day of my last breath or my last heartbeat. Therefore, I am not this body. I'm the force that animates it. But of course, that triggers another one. For every action, there's a reaction of equal force. Mm. Life teaches us through the consequences of our own actions. All right. How to raise a child without domestication. Like I said before, it's impossible because life teaches us through action reaction. But in order to understand that, You have to be able to understand the difference of how I can uncorrupt domestication.
4: Mm.
3: Let me put it to you this way. Let's use our imagination. And actually, we don't have to use our imagination too much. Right now, you and I are using the electricity that illuminates our home, that gives power to the devices we're using to communicate from Melbourne, Australia, to San Diego, California, the whole Pacific Mm. Ocean is separating us at this very moment live yet? Maybe just a couple of seconds of delay, but here we are almost live.
2: Insane, We're yeah, using incredible. electricity, mm-hmm.
3: right? Beautiful, beautiful thing. You have to acknowledge that. Action reaction a consequence is not a punishment, a consequence is the result of an action. This expression. Mm. Is the juice worth the squeeze, which to me simply means mm-hmm. Is the consequence worth the effort.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Effort is using the energy that animates this body, that animates this mind to manifest something. Okay. At the end of the month, you and I are going to both get an electric bill. And of mm-hmm. course, internet bill, but let's just keep it with electricity. We're going to get yeah. an electric bill.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: If we pay the bill, the consequence for our actions is that we're going to get more electricity for another month, mm-hmm. right? Action, reaction, neither good nor bad, nor right or wrong. A consequence is just a consequence, neither good nor bad, nor right or wrong. Mm. If I don't pay the electric bill, the consequence is I won't get electricity. Mm-hmm. Neither good nor bad, nor right or wrong. We might get a bad ding on our credit report, but it doesn't really matter. It's like this month I didn't have enough money to pay for the electric bill because I had to make a choice. Electricity or food? Mm. Okay, I'll choose food. But but if Mm -hmm. I want to be able to afford both, I'll do the effort that allows me to afford both. And I say effort Mm -hmm. in the sense of work, but sometimes all you have to do is just come up with an idea. Mm. Neither good nor bad, nor right or wrong, is what kind of consequence do I want? Life Mm -hmm. has a motivator for us, and the motivator is. What consequence do I want to experience? That's how mm-hmm. life teaches us. A mistake is just a consequence that didn't work out for us, but I still want to be able to achieve manifesting what I want to manifest. So I try again. It's just a mistake or not getting that, that goal is just a stepping stone towards arriving at where I want. It's just taught us, okay, this path didn't work. This exercise didn't work. This technique didn't work. Let's improve on it neither good nor bad, nor right or wrong, no judgment at all. What kind Mm -hmm. of consequence do I want? And that's the choice we have at the end of the month to pay the bill. Domestication, the way we describe it, works a little differently. And it's like this. If you pay the electric bill at the end of the month, not only will you have electricity for another month, but you're someone responsible in society. You're someone that is able to pay for it. You're in good eyes in my eyes. You're somebody in this world. And you know what? Since I know you have enough, I'll lend you money, but you're in good standing in my eyes. You're someone productive. You are responsible. Mm -hmm. You are an adult. You are fill in the blank, whatever Mm -hmm. reward. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: But if you don't pay the electric bill, then you're a bum. You're Mm. irresponsible. You clearly can't afford to pay a bill. There's no way I'm lending you money. Not only are you not in good standing in my eye, you're the sin of being poor. Mm. You're a bum. Mm. There's the punishment. The motivator there is punishing you, judging you for not living up to expectation of what it is to... Be able to afford an electric bill. Now, here's the thing. You reach that point, you have a choice between food and electric bill. But here's the thing. I don't want to look like a poor person in front of someone's eyes. I don't want to look like a bum. I don't want to be irresponsible. Here's my credit card. I'll pay for both.
4: Now, Mm -hmm.
3: not only can I not afford my food or electric bill, I have a debt that's increasing and it's Continuously putting me into a hole because I'm pretending to be something I'm not for the sake of someone else's point of view. I don't want the judgment of being seen as irresponsible, a bum, mm. or poor. Depending on that, there the the motivator for my actions is I don't want the rejection, so I will do the effort in order to be worth it. And I can say like, even if you have a job, you're paying it because I definitely want to show, and I have to get the right, not just any house. I have to get the right house. I have to get the mm. right car. I have to get, and all these kind of things. And also it goes, it's, now mind you, there's nothing wrong with any of that, but the motivator is conditional love. I love you mm. if. The motivator yeah. is love. The corruption mm. of it. So domestication mm. from that point of view, is using the motivator of my love or your love or someone else's love to pretend to be something I am not for the (sighs) sake of that point of view of the person who will be judgment, the judge and the victim. Mm. Imposing and subjugation. I subjugate my will. For example, hello, my name is Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. I don't Mm. take things personal. I don't make assumptions. I always do my best. I, uh, I, uh, what's the fourth agreement? Oh, no, how can I call myself Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. if I don't know the four agreements and there's the diatribe of judgment? Punish me, <laughs> punishing myself <laughs> for not living up to this image of perfection that is Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. Who doesn't take things personal, doesn't make assumptions, always does his best, and he's impeccable with his own word. <laughs> Thank you very much. If I live mm. up to those four agreements that I am worthy of the name the Miguel Ruiz Jr. I'm worthy of the name Toltec. I'm worthy yeah. of all these things. But if I fall short mm-hmm. again, like forgetting the fifth agreement, be skeptical, but learn to listen, oh no! And there's the diatribe again, punish myself. I don't even know what you're having in your mm-hmm. show, man. I don't even know the i And there's the <laughs> It's kind of like the equivalent of saying the perfect version of myself, and mind you, to be perfect is to be 100% free of any flaw. To say that i In order to be worthy of love, I have to weigh 160 pounds, be 27 years old. And if you ever see my brother's hair, it's beautiful. (laughs) If I live up to that image, I'm worthy of love. But if I look at myself in the mirror, that's just not the truth. I'm 47 Mm. years old. I weigh 170 pounds. And this is the truth of my hair. But Mm. because I don't live up to this image of myself that I deemed perfect, I'm going to castigate myself. You fat, fat. you bald, Mm. fat, you all Mm. bald, fat. Mm. We feel when we look ourselves in the mirror and judge ourselves for not looking up to this image of beauty or success or manhood or or, or, or womanhood or all these things. That's what domestication is. Mm -hmm. The telltale science that we use the four agreements as an instrument of domestication is judging ourselves for taking things personal, judging ourselves for making an assumption, judging ourselves for the rest of it. At that moment, we corrupt the four agreements and turn it into the four conditions of my personal freedom. I still call it the four agreements, but I don't realize that I'm just corrupted it
4: Mm. and using
3: it to go against me. Mm -hmm. And this is the way we corrupt so many of the beautiful traditions that humanity has created in order to embrace unconditional love. But we're so used to domestication that will corrupt Tom Miguel, Reese in the Totec tradition, Deepak Chopra, Maryam, Williamson, Jesus, Buddha, Siddhartha, Muhammad, psychology, psychiatry, Alcoholics, Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Humanity has created all those beautiful traditions that allows us to embrace unconditional love, but we're so used to it that we'll corrupt all of them in the same way I just corrupted the four agreements into the four conditions. And if we understand that concept, we can see how we corrupted music. We corrupted fashion, our, our ethnicity, our historical background, our family, where we come from, our culture. I have to live up this image of masculinity mm-hmm. or femininity according to the traditions of not just my culture, of my neighborhood, of this family. And then I'm mm-hmm. trying to aspire to be this image that rejects who this person this biological, physical person is. So if we understand this concept of the difference between the four agreements and the four conditions and how we corrupt knowledge, how we use beautiful expressions with music, we corrupt it. I listen to the music that makes me look cool, but I'll reject Mm. anything that gets in the way. I don't want to be told I'm a sellout. When I was growing up, the worst one I could ever get was, you're a poser, man. And we judge ourselves. So all of a sudden, you know, this is the way we corrupt yoga. You know, we corrupt Mm -hmm. my yoga is better than your yoga. Well, I practice Kundalini and we all wear white. Well, I practice the one that's trademarked. Every move Mm -hmm. is the same. At that moment, we corrupted something beautiful as yoga and it's all its beautiful facets and expressions. And we corrupted it by saying, my yoga is better than your yoga, thus creating a sense Mm -hmm. of hierarchy. I'm better than because in order to be worthy of love, I have to be better than. So when mm-hmm. we raise a child, you know, going mm-hmm. back to the question or comment about how do we raise a child without domestication? Well, first we have to clean that action reaction. How do you raise a child? Here's the thing about domestication. It tends to make us doubt our own capacity to say yes and no to things that we want to say yes and no to. Mm-hmm. thus making us doubt ourselves the best way to mm-hmm. domesticate someone is to make them doubt their own capacity to make a choice yeah. Yeah. so learning how to trust yourself to make a choice and to respect yourself to experience the consequences of those choices yes i respect myself personal freedom is to be able to say yes and no with a complete freedom of life to say yes to the things i want to say yes to and mm-hmm. no to the things i want to say no to And like Uncle Ben and Aunt May have told Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility, which Mm -hmm. simply means, and it's beautiful that way, that as much as I respect myself to say yes and no to to the things I want to say yes and no to, I respect myself to experience the consequences of those actions. So, for example, my wife, she's the disciplinarian of the family. You know, because sometimes I'm a tour and I can't help, so she is reluctant. She gives my kids options. If you do this, this is the consequence. If you do that, this is the consequence. Which consequence do you want? Mm. Of course, we're still disciplinarians because sometimes it's, you know we get they get into trouble and you have to teach them. You know, don't spit, don't break things, don't break this, don't hit that, don't my son bites, so he be out, don't bite. Mm. And we have we still find ourselves caught in that and the emotion of it, but we have to always say. The difference between teaching them consequence and action-reaction, as opposed to conditional love, is knowing that they know that I love them.
4: Mm. They
3: know that I will love them regardless of what they do. But because I love them, I'm going to let them experience the consequences of their own actions. They're not going to escape the consequences. They're going to experience it. And mind you, here's now, here's the secret of us parents who don't mm. tell people who don't have kids, and especially we don't tell our, our kids. We parents have no idea what we're doing. We're <laughs> doing the best <laughs> of what we've got. Yeah. As soon as we get used to being the parent of a one year old, they turn two, making everything we knew about being a parent of a one year old irrelevant because yeah. the child we are raising has changed. <laughs> Then they turn four, they turn eight. It almost feels like with every birthday, we have to throw out everything we knew about parenting because (laughs) the person we're raising has changed. Which -hmm. means we parents have no idea what we're doing. We're doing the best with what we've got. And what that usually means is that when we have no idea what we're doing, we naturally go to what we've known, which is the Mm -hmm. way our parents did it. Or sometimes even do a 180 or 160. And just go in a totally different direction. But here's mm. the thing, even when we do that, we're still allowing the parents to teach us how to do it because we're re- reacting to what they did not.
2: We're driven opposite. by the same energy.
3: But we're yeah. still going to uh, to that point. Yeah. So in in essence, to be able to ch- to raise a child without domestication, we have to first come to terms and in grips to ourselves and how we did mm. it. One of my favorite quotes is, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. That's from mm. Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt's uh, a wife, a first lady. So let me paraphrase that. No one can make me feel inferior without my consent. Let me paraphrase it one more time. No one can domesticate me without my consent.
4: Mm.
3: How do I give consent? By believing it by agreeing Mm -hmm. with it an agreement is the action of saying yes to something and i give Mm -hmm. it power with my yes so the best way to let go of my condition domestication is one becoming aware of it the mastery Mm -hmm. of awareness and then forgiving myself for ever saying yes to it in the first place a teacher in sacramento once taught me this lesson Forgiveness is the moment you no longer wish the past was any different. It is the moment you accept it and you let it go. So for me, that means this. It's the moment I realize I can't go back in the past to change a yes to a no or no to a yes, because I can't go back in the past and express my will. My will only exists in its present moment. The past mm. only exists in my mind as a memory, just like the future only exists as my imagination. So it's the moment I realize it happened and I can't change it. Mm -hmm. So forgiveness is the moment you no longer wish the past was any different. It is the moment you come to terms, it happened. And you let it go. My brother, Jose Luis, Don Jose, has this beautiful image of a scorpion that sings itself over and over again, administering the emotional poison to itself that it meant for someone else Mm. time and time again. And then it comes the moment where the scorpion decides, To no longer sting itself. Mm. To no longer administer that poison that it meant for someone else. We, Someone said to to me, scorpions don't do that. No, but we humans do. Every time we think of the past, we administer that poison to ourselves. We judge ourselves over and over and over again.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Alright, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month and six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG.
3: To let go is the moment I no longer use the pass To hurt myself in the present.
4: Mm. I
3: forgive myself for ever saying yes to it in the first place. I forgive myself for agreeing with all those beliefs that make me feel that I'm not worthy of love. That Mm. made me pretend to be something I am not for the sake of someone else's point of view. For example, hello, my name is Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. And I do take things personal. I do make assumptions. Sometimes I'm not impeccable with the word sometimes i'm not skeptical at all about hook line and sinker and sometimes Mm. i don't do my best just ask my wife she is my Mm. witness it is the moment where i stop pretending to be something i am not for the sake of someone else's point of view or someone else's judgment especially my own because then i realize that yes someone domesticated me when i was young but those judgments still are in my mind because i continue to say yes to them Mm. which means i use their words to go against me. Mm -hmm. I forgive myself for ever doing that. Miguel, can you forgive me? I've been using your words to go against me. When we reach this point, all of a sudden, we're able to teach our children how to live life without that domestication. But understand that someone else will domesticate them. If you don't, someone else will. Mm
4: -hmm. So
3: it is a moment where in order to teach a child how not to be domesticated with conditional love, that life becomes your teacher by allowing you to experience the consequences of your choices. That's when all of a sudden I'm no longer judging myself for the choices I make, but Mm. completely owning the consequences of the choices I have made by allowing them to not just teach me, but show me the path that allows me to live the life I want to live. And I'm not the only member of this society. I'm one out of 0.7.5 billion, which means <laughs> I can't give what I do not have.
4: Mm-hmm. If I
3: have nothing but cond- domestication or conditioning in me, then I've got nothing but that to give. But if I begin to heal myself, from heal my own wounds in that way, then I become the constant opportunity for harmony in my life. With everyone I'm in relationship with,
2: one of the big pieces that stood out for me, and there around the the forgiveness piece as well. And I remember diving into your work, and this was um, uh, painful is not the right word, but it was uh, uh, revealing is probably the right word um, for myself was this concept also you know you mentioned like you know when we're hard on ourselves we're not hard on ourselves for the same thing once it's like this repetitive story and you know we we do that based on you know as you so eloquently described the social programming and you know us like living up to those external valid uh, external validations to try and be somebody that we're not to find that synthetic love let's call it that um mm-hmm. but yeah the, the idea of justice which was really huge when how cleansing um, when I heard that justice is paying for one thing once, <laughs> and just how we treat ourselves when mm-hmm. we don't forgive ourselves, and we keep going and we keep going and we keep going, and it's like, itself. whoa, man, I keep, th- yeah. man, yeah, yeah, that was and, really something. And we that, that's how
3: into. we basically caused this trauma to ourselves, mm. yeah that's how we create Mm. trauma and that's what conditional love does it creates all this pain all these wounds and i've learned that we heal with our own permission
4: Mm.
3: in the total tradition there's nothing to learn but to unlearn like my brother jose would say for me the most important things to unlearn are all the things that prevent me from healing And sometimes our domesticated point of views are exactly those hurdles that prevent us from healing because Mm -hmm. I have to be this image that I am not. But ultimately, um, the difference between conditional and unconditional love is this. Conditional love only sees what it wants to see. Unconditional love is the willingness to see the whole of who I am, to see the whole of the yin and yang. Mm. Uh, to accept my shadow self as much as the light self. Mm. Both of them are me. This is who I am. So that to me is what unconditional love is, the willingness to see myself. And when I'm able to do that, I'm able able to see the people in my life for who they are. Instead of Mm. the image that I project onto them, I get to listen and pay attention and witness who they really are. But in order for that to happen, I do that to myself, get mm-hmm. to know myself for who I am. What do I like? What I really don't like, what I do, what do I enjoy? And then I don't need an an identity with a definition in order to get to know myself. All I need to do to know myself is to experience being me.
4: Mm. Can you
2: elaborate on that a little bit further? Because when I was reading into domestication, a big part of it was internal freedom. And then for me, the word that sort of kept coming back up was authenticity. And in that I ran the risk of Mm -hmm. idealizing like that. There's a pure part of me that then due to social programming has been convoluted Mm -hmm. from myself. And maybe that's accurate. I'm not sure. But the Mm -hmm. question I really want to ask for myself and the audience's behalf Mm -hmm. is how do you, how do you get to know yourself when your layers and layers and layers of the onion packed on <laughs> like the delayering layering process and you've mentioned like
3: you know, self-love you, you, you hit it right in the head with your yeah. please i was about to say you hit it right in your head and in, in in that's the expression that we have around here by the way uh <laughs> you hit it on point we that you saw yourself with the, uh, the temptation or to idealize the authentic self and that's what we attempt to do that's that's how we corrupt it you know how we corrupt the four agreements mm. into the four conditions we grab mm. the concept of the authentic self has to be this way and unbeknownst to us that's how we begin to domesticate and even corrupt uh, corrupt corrupt that image of the authentic self the idealization mm. of it
4: mm-hmm.
3: i that is a very much a very cool a great way of, of of phrasing it, because in your question you basically gave it, gave us the pitfall, the the trap, the mm. the the thing that usually takes us away from our authentic self. I have to be mm. this image of authentic self with its definition, with its explanation, and I can't be can't be the authentic self until I live up to that image. Mm. You, you, you see, that just, just with that, we can see that we're so used to domestication
4: that we'll corrupt all of
3: it, <laughs> <Yeah>. even <laughs> this image of the authentic self. We're so used yeah. to it. We just corrupted it just like that. Yeah, It's so easy because we're so mm-hmm. used to it. Mm-hmm. So that's when I go, okay, the authentic self is just another way to phrase because the need for each of us to understand each other is so important that we create a language
4: mm-hmm. that allows
3: us to understand Every word we use in our vocabulary is an empty symbol whose definition is subject to agreement. There are terms that are innocent in the United States that are not so innocent in the United United Kingdom or in Mm. Australia, because we may be speaking the same languages, but I'm well aware that there are some words that may not be so innocent there Mm. and vice versa, you know? I've learned that one the hard way. (laughs) There are just some words. To be impeccable with the word is to be impeccable with your intents because what gives a word its meaning is the intent that we give it, our yes, our agreement. Mm. That's what I told this to my father. And he says, that's exactly what I meant, Miguel. You're right. But since you changed the agreement, let me change it one more time. Be impeccable with yourself because it is you who gives power to your word. Mm. So from that point of view, to be impeccable with the word and what is contrast to not being impeccable with the word is this to not be impeccable with the word is to use my word to reinforce that conditioning. To be impeccable with the word is to use my word not just to heal myself, but to love myself just the way it is, just to express my truth. Mm. In the question you had is perfect because you found yourself idealizing the authentic self right there. You you laid all laid laid open for us to see, or at least for me to see that that is exactly where the trap is. The temptation Mm. to domesticate ourselves yet again with a new image of what is supposed to be acceptable. Mm -hmm. Perfect. To be impeccable with the word is to be aware that I can do that. Mm. Now, for me, the authentic self is just the force that animates this body. And just like water, it shape shifts, mm. shaping itself to the container it gives. For example, the three women in my life my mm-hmm. mom, my wife, my daughter. At one point, because here's the thing The Mastery of Self is a book that I wrote as I was rock, talking about the five levels of attachment and how we begin to detach. From our beliefs that domesticated us at level five fanaticism, where a belief subjugates me so much it dictates who I'm supposed to be. My grandma used to uh, do this during my apprenticeship. She would ask me, Do you control knowledge or does knowledge control you? She would always change that. You know, some cousins would get, Do you drink the bottle or is the bottle drinking you? Who's drinking the bottle? You know, who's, mm. Or is the bottle drinking you? So, at level five, do you control knowledge or does knowledge control you? Fanaticism. Knowledge gives me the complete and total con- controls of who I am. If I am in order to live up to this image, I have to live up to it perfectly. Thus, mm. domestication is so strong. At level four, internalization. The question is: the answer to the question is, knowledge gives me the rules by which I live my life. Whereas at level mm. five, it has complete and total control. At level four, it just gives me the rules. To go down from level five to level four is a moment of skepticism. To question it, is it truth? If it survives your scrutiny, then you say yes. If it doesn't survive your scrutiny, then you say no. You can say this is the work that we all do. This is the work that we talk about in the four agreements, to go from level four to level three, which is identity. Identity, Mm -hmm. the answer to my grandmother's question is knowledge and I are one. I think, mm-hmm. therefore, I am. I am my identity.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It's to heal knowledge. is to redeem knowledge. To no longer use knowledge as an instrument of my domestication, but an instrument that informs my, but I'm the one making the choice.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: To go from level three to level two, which is preference, is to take off a mask of who I'm supposed to be and get to know myself as the individual that can go in any direction in life. The answer to my question at level two is knowledge gives me, informs me of my choices, but I'm the one making the choice. I'm aware Mm -hmm. of my authentic self, which leads us to one, the authentic self, regardless of what I think, regardless of what I know, I'm aware that I'm alive. So at level three to level two. This is where the mastery of self comes in. Is the moment where I take off the mask and I get to know myself, Mm. not through the identity with a definition that has been Mm. projected onto me and I adapted or internalized throughout my life, but it's the moment where I begin to let go of it and get to know myself as the individual that I am, Mm. which is formless. (laughs) This individual, just like we were talking about before. The thing about we parents, we have no idea what we're doing because the person we're, where parenting keeps changing, well, guess what? I keep changing. I'm still changing with every day I'm adapting and changing with who I am supposed to be and what I am. So from that point of view, letting go of that mask allows me to be present. So when someone projects it, like my my wife, my mom, and my daughter, all three of them project a mask of who I'm supposed to be according to their point of view. So to completely let go of that is know that my authentic self is going to be different to my relationship with my wife, with my mother, and with my daughter, because the way I react to them and interact with them is unique to the relationship I have with them. But I'm always the constant. So from that point of view, the authentic self is just a word a name, an identity that describes that which is shapeless, which is the energy that animates this body. So from that point of view, it's like where the mastery of self comes in. And it's the moment where I take off the mask. I'm to get to know myself to simply being the experience of me, that I don't need an identity with a definition in order to get to know myself,
4: Mm -hmm. which means
3: I don't even need to use the word, authentic self in order to explain myself is just a word Mm, and all of a sudden you realize i don't need words to explain myself because even as i put one mask i'm much more than that i'm complex an example of that is my relationship with my mom my wife and my daughter my mom Mm. sees me as miguelito
4: Mm. my
3: wife sees me as miguel and my daughter sees me as dad Mm. i'm the constant with all of them so my mom is going to bring out an element of me that my wife and my daughter don't see my daughter is going to spring on an element of me that my wife and my mom doesn't see. Mm. My wife is going to see me totally different than my mom and my daughter. Mm. I'm the constant. But what makes me different with them is the nature of the relationship. I'm the constant in every relationship that I am in. And I only control to the tips of my fingers. I don't control who they are. Mm. But every single person will see me as unique. Unique. As they see me. So from that point of view, I don't need to give the definition of son, husband, father. Mm. Because the relationship I have with them is that unique that my relationship with my mom is that of I'm a son. Mm -hmm, But I don't mm -hmm. need to domesticate myself with that mask. Mm. My wife will see me as a husband, but I don't have to domesticate myself with that mask. And same with father, with So from that point of view, every relationship will bring out a different element of me, but I'm always my authentic self. I'm always this individual Mm -hmm. that's engaging. So from Mm -hmm. that point of view, the temptation to idealize it, like the nature of the question is, the authentic self has to be like this. Mm. But the thing is, as soon as we put that, it only encapsulates and describes but a portion of it. Because the living being that I am, it's much, much more. Mm. I am a shapeshifter in Mm -hmm. the sense that I constantly engage an individual that's constantly changing. My wife, if you understand the concept of a parent, that Mm -hmm. we're learning how to be a parent because the child we're educating and raising is changing. And we know that because they're physically changing with every year. They're Mm. physically changing. They're mentally maturing. We can see those changes, but it's difficult to see those changes in my wife because like Einstein described in the theory of relativity, <laughs> we're both growing up at the same rate. So sometimes yeah. you can't see the changes. But mm-hmm. my relationship with my wife is different and unique because she's changing as well. She's mm-hmm. not 28. She's not 30. She's not 40. And I'll stop right there. And then my <laughs> mom is the same yeah. thing. But she now I look at her and she's 71. And I'm like, wow, you, that, that woman I used to know when I was a kid is no longer here. And she's trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to still be that mother with authority. But now she's acting more like my daughter because mm. now she's at, she needs my permission to do things. And I'm like, when did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> so we're now adapting and changing. So here's the thing. Yeah. That we can understand that the people we're in relationship with are constantly changing, which means that we're constantly adapting. We can either
4: mm.
3: still hold on to who they're supposed to be and still relate to what person we knew or be willing to release that and see the person that's in front. It's not about understanding men and women. It's about understanding the individual that's in front of you. And that can mm. only happen once I'm able to understand that I have also changed. Okay. I'm also evolved. I've also grown. I've also mm. experienced life and life has impacted me. That's why I changed. That's why my wife changed. That's why my mom changed. That's why my daughter changed. We're constantly changing. So to say the authentic self is supposed to be this image. Mm. that's a temptation to corrupt the four agreements into the four conditions and do the same thing to that but it's just the willingness to step back and to experience who i am at this very moment in time getting to know me all over again Mm. and this time without the need to identify myself with a definition with an identity and definition but simply know this is who i am today And this is what I enjoy, and this is what I don't enjoy. This is how Mm. I feel, and this is how I don't feel. And there it goes. The authentic self is just a symbol to express the living being that is me.
2: Mm. Yeah, I take a lot from that, especially the... The consistent conceptualizing that the mind does for who I am, especially when you're describing your relationship with your mother, your wife, your daughter, and there's these concepts that are, can be so sticky. You know? And again, it's mm-hmm. a domestication in effect. And as you're as you're saying, it's um, there's just this animate life force that is me that's present, and it's just in, in an engagement. And can I just be present to it and not have to engage with the conceptualized um, yeah concept of myself, which is Really epic. I wanted to also cover in today's conversation, I'm conscious of how much time we have left, is um, this other idea of, well, taking this further, because in your book, which I really enjoyed, is we start talking about domestication and all the almost the parasitical thinking, which we've sort of been discussing to quite length in terms of where we get trapped and then also the allies, where the supportive thinking lives um, and then how to really, you know, and we've danced a little bit around this conversation around self love and, you know, the, the conditional love. And I think for those tuning into the inspired evolution, you know, they can feel into the, the audience has that level of depth to be able to tune into that. The, the conversation then in the book goes to the point of goal setting which I thought was a very grounded place to come home to, which I loved. One of the places that caught me off guard, though, is um, I have to put my hand up and vulnerably acknowledge that I um, I stopped setting goals. And I kept setting intentions because, well... I wasn't mm-hmm. sure why goal started feeling a bit too 3D, a bit too clunky, and mm-hmm. the way I would describe it was if I set an intention, I keep myself open to what the universe wants to provide along that current, along that frequency, along that energy that, you know, is coming in, whereas my goal can be so 3D, blinker limited.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And then upon reading the goal setting in the self mastery, yeah, it started to unpick some things for me, which is like, uh, maybe you've set some goals, and you know, potentially there's some fear in there, which is why the intentions feel purer because you don't have the same stories around intentions that you do around goals. goals. Because, yeah. yeah, can you unpack that a little bit further? Because we set no, goals, and then, yeah, yeah. Well,
3: no, your question was set, set it up beautifully because you, you started to describe it. You know, basically. We have a relationship with certain terms that triggers us, and mm. goals is one of those things that we use to t- domesticate ourselves. What is our motivator to achieve something? You can almost say that we've used goals to domesticate ourselves. As soon as I reached this goal, I'm worthy <laughs> of love. For example, uh, when I was writing it, I was I, I I was just preparing myself for my first marathon, and since then I've ran mm. six full marathons. Yo, and I'm oh. training for my seventh. Nice now. For me, running a marathon is fun mm. on that Sunday is the day. Let's see what I, let's see what I can do, but mm. I really train for a marathon. The marathon is actually the three or four months prior mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. yourself ready, you know, preparing yourself the way goal setting used to be the way in the, in the nature of the question you had is that for example, here in the United States, most runners say, if I run a marathon i can only call myself a runner if i qualify for the boston marathon because in order Mm -hmm. to run boston you have to qualify with a certain time limit a certain time ratio depending on your age three hours and 15 minutes three hours 20 minutes depending on the the group age you're in you can get that tunnel vision that you described so Mm -hmm. hyper focus where I have to get that goal otherwise I can't call myself a runner I'll just be a jogger mm. Now in the running community that actually exists the way you can disrespect or diss uh, a fellow runner is by calling them a jogger You're just jogging you're not a real runner you're a jogger you know you're just in a weekend warrior type of person you're not for real you're a poser Anyways uh. you know we we're back in high school but They Mm. still do it.
2: It exists. Yeah,
3: it exists. So you train, you train, you train. If you qualify for Boston, it's hard to even enjoy the goal because now that you Mm. qualified, I can't call myself a runner unless I win Boston or at least I finish at a certain time. Otherwise, I'm just a jogger. And this is the nature of how people use goals. Mm. Like I have, uh, the grass is always greener over there, Mm
4: -hmm. which
3: is as soon as I achieve the goal, I'm worthy of, in this case, being called a runner. Mm. That's domestication all over it. We're using a goal as an instrument of domestication, just like I corrupted the four agreements and to the four conditions, I corrupted the goal. Conditional love,
2: conditional love.
3: What's my motivator? Conditional love. In this case, obsession. Mm. To acquire that goal, that's mm. what you know, and that's how the tunnel vision comes. That tunnel vision become is basically how obsession manifests itself. How we experience it. Nothing else exists but
4: this—the
3: mm-hmm. uh, goal. Qualifying for Boston, and I'm not sure internationally if there's any other race that's like that. Maybe the the London or Berlin uh, marathon. But in, this, in the United States, the, the Boston is that's it. Okay. I run a marathon in five hours. That's my fest. My first mm. run marathon, I ran it in six point twenty miles, and man, I tell you, it was enjoyable. Mm. I enjoyed it very much because of my when I first ran the, when I, the first time I ran five miles which is probably about eight kilometers, nine kilometers, something somewhere in between that. It was like, I proved myself that wrong. And I've asked the best question. What else can I do? Because I've proven myself that wrong. I did cross the five mile barrier. I did cross that eight, nine nine kilometer barrier. Or more than that. Five miles, actually is more than five kilometers. Sorry. It's closer to eight or nine. Mm-hmm. There you go. I can judge myself for that.
4: <laughs>
3: because 10 kilometers is six miles. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's what actually what I was thinking. I can judge myself for that as well.
4: Mm.
3: I should know this. I should know these conversions. But now I look like a fool. And there's the judgment. There's the punishment mm-hmm. for not living up to a standard, to a belief, to an idea. And now I corrupted that out as well. The thing about domestication and conditioning is that it doesn't allow you to enjoy what you've created. Unconditional love is this. If domestication is you're constantly chasing the carrot of illusion, unconditional love is that you grab the carrot and you eat it and realize this is point a <laughs> and the goal is just the excuse to go in that direction for me is this i don't care if i qualify for boston i just simply enjoy running mm. and completing the marathon is just the excuse to run mm. for 3 or 4 months and yeah. do everything i can and i've got i've gotten better of course i've gotten better and right now i am training for my next marathon i do have the desire the goal, to go to do it in less than five miles. it will be nice to exceed. Let me see that.
4: Mm.
3: Will my self-acceptance be dependent on me crossing the, the finish line in less than five hours?
4: No. Mm.
3: No, that's just the excuse.
4: Mm.
3: I enjoy doing it.
4: Mm.
3: On that day, when I do, I'm just going to enjoy it. Mm. Passion is doing something you love. And a goal is just an excuse to do something you love. As opposed to obsession, trying to live up to a goal in order to be worthy of love. Well, what happens if I already accept myself and my love is not the motivator? My love is the field that that takes me. Mm. I'm I'm eating the carrot. So from Mm -hmm. that point of view, it's all about healing my relationship with the word in this case, healing my relationship with the word goal is the redemption of that part of me that domesticates myself with certain things. So from that point of view, I can recreate or reimagine or reshape my relationship with that term or the concept of a goal by Mm -hmm. understanding the difference between an obsession which is creates that funnel vision Mm. and passion, which opens my whole mind, my whole perception. And as I'm running, I'm just enjoying everything around me. You know, there's that thing when I run around mile three or four, where everything goes silent. And the only thing that exists is my breath, the road, and the environment that surrounds me. Something that is really hard to see when you're completely obsessed in tunnel vision with that goal. Hmm. You're completely present. So for mm-hmm. me that's 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 it. You know we can change give it different names to the way you you did.
4: Mm.
3: Or I can just simply clean it. Mm. Kind of like consequence. Some people hear the word consequence and associate it with punishment. Mm. But if you clean it then consequence is just a result of an action.
4: Mm-hmm. What
3: kind of results do I want to experience?
4: Mm.
3: And that's where the mastery of self comes in. And it's that sense, like, what is the reason why I do certain things I do? Because I enjoy doing them. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like, I have a friend who's qualified for Boston. Well, he's more of an acquaintance. He's a friend of my friend.
4: Mm.
3: And he's so bored with marathon because he is like three minutes, four minutes shy of crossing uh, and qualifying for Boston. And my other friend also qualifies. It's like, it's like that. But for him, he's just trying. There's a difference between my friend, Brian, who I talk about in the book, who achieved it, he got it, but he just loves running. He just enjoys it versus mm. his other friend, this other person that I can't call myself a runner unless I qualify for Boston mm. and there's the difference. In in Brian's case, I don't care if you call me a runner or a jogger. I don't care. I just want to run Mm. versus, no, I have to qualify for Boston. Otherwise, I'm not even. uh, mm -hmm. And and in essence, translate that to a musician, an author, Mm. or anything, fill in the blank. And all of a sudden you realize what has been my motivator, a doctor, a lawyer, an activist, an artist, soccer player, a football player rugby player, cricket player, um, teacher. And all of a sudden you realize, man, I've been doing these things because I, I thought that was the only way to love myself. Would I still be doing it if I love myself?
4: Mm. Yeah,
2: I love that. The big discernment in there for me is, and thank you so much, because it, it this Realisation has healed so much for me around goal setting it because yeah, the the goal being driven by even being super driven by synthetic conditional forces for love <laughs> to like, hey, even my own, it's like when I do that, then I'll be worthy of my own acceptance. I'll be worthy of my own love or and should I hit it? Should I not hit it versus just dropping all of that to going, hey, I really enjoy this activity and it brings me so much joy and life force and vitality and animation And instead of potentially having an accountability buddy and a friend, I can Mm -hmm. set an accountability buddy in my goal and let's just see where it takes me. Like, I'm just going to run this marathon like five months from now. And, you know, it'll hold me accountable every day this week to do, you know, a few runs to sort of get there Um, and just keep cultivating the love for what I do within my system. And I think that's really epic. Yeah. Yeah. And so we can translate that,
3: that in, in, in the corporate world, you know, there's something called incentives, you know, in, in pop culture, success, whatever. Incentives are just something that be, people go, okay, it, this cures our reward. If you live up to this expectation in, 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 the, in our business, in our corporate worlds, taking that personally is the moment we realize, well, I'm nobody without that incentive, I have to have that incentive. And all of a sudden you realize the motivator why you do things is not the passion but trying to live up to this incentive that we somehow took personally. Mm. But if you take a step back, there was nothing wrong with those incentives, success, money and all that kind of thing. There's nothing wrong. It's just that somewhere along the line, someone told us that you're nobody without those things. And we believe them, but if we clean it up, that's just an incentive that, that I need or not don't need. I don't need to be popular. I don't need to be successful. I don't need to have that. But it's just the natural consequence of doing something I love. So I'll just keep doing what I love.
2: <laughs> Don Ruiz, thank you so much. Really, 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 really thank you so much for this incredible conversation. I um, There's a very special part uh, in my heart that's open to this Toltec path of being the artist of your own life and just the creative wisdom that flows through that. And I think today's conversation around just yeah the social programming that sort of like you know crunches in on us and just coming back home to clean like you kept saying just cleaning all that up and just allowing you know yourself to emerge and even not building a story around that self that's emerging just hey just acceptance and just allowing what is to be and come through is just such a gift i know the audience is going to get so much from this i I could thank you for today's conversation, but I know it's a lifetime's worth of work that you, (laughs) and in your case, even your father and your grandmother, (laughs) (laughs) worth of work going into it. So just thank you for so much for everyone just, you know, to be able to receive this download and this transmission from you today. Thank you so much. Thank you so
3: much for everything. And I appreciate the opportunity. Thank
4: you. Mm
2: an absolute gift inspired evolution tribe audience this show is what it is thanks to you tuning in and being so inspired to evolve as your brother walking by your side stay inspired to evolve keep evolving y'all so much love (laughs) thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode of the inspired evolution without you the inspired evolution tribe this podcast would not be what it is today Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving.